Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor, and I was in Cambodia a couple weeks ago, and last weekend I saw some of you, and I did know what day it was, and I know it's Sunday today, but when I was in Cambodia, I just want to let you know, at the dedication, 5,000 people were there, and we had 700 Muslims, and we had 1,000 Christians and 3,300 Buddhists, and all of them got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there's a building. Yeah, that's a good, good thing. And, uh, and the building is uh, open. It's already being used to, uh, for the English uh, teaching program to teach the teachers to teach the kids in the Mongo Bray district um, English. And, of course, the book that we're using to teach English is a, a children's version of the Bible. So that's another a win for us. So just wanted to give you that quick update. So here we are. It's the sixth week of our Daniel series, which means we're sort of halfway through the summer. I hate to tell you that, but there's only six more weeks after this. There's 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. And so far, uh, we've learned that there was a man named Daniel, along with three of his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who were taken from Jerusalem, and they served Kings, uh, not kings of Israel anymore or Judah, but kings of other countries, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, the king of Babylon. And now we're going to find out today he's going to be serving the king of Persia, King Darius. And we read these two verses at the end of chapter 5. It sort of was the the lead into chapter 6, and it says this. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So Darius had been a a spearman in the Persian army. And somehow he was able to rise through the ranks and overthrow the king and become the king himself and uh, to rule his kingdom, which he ruled from 522 B.C. to 486 B.C., which is 36 years, which means if he uh, was 62 whenever he overtook Babylon, he was pretty old by the end of his reign. But it was an ever-expanding kingdom. It was a very large kingdom, much larger than the Babylonian kingdom was. And so he put uh, leaders, officials, they called them satraps, over the provinces, 120 different provinces. And then he had higher officials over them. And one of those higher officials was Daniel. In fact, Daniel became eventually the highest uh, leader, uh, except for King Darius in all of the Persian Empire. So today's take-home point, and if you're new here today, uh, we're first of all, we're so glad that you're here with us. We're glad that you got up on a Sunday morning and came out to join us. But we have a take-home point every week in our message. It's the one point that we want to take home, think about, pray about, and live out in the week ahead. And this is one that we can really live out. It's a very practical take-home point. It says this, real faith grows through discipline and shows through trials. Real faith grows through discipline and shows through trials. If we've learned one thing about Daniel through these first five chapters of the book of Daniel is he was a disciplined man. He was disciplined in his prayer life. He prayed every day. In fact, we find out he prayed three times a day, every day, to God, the God, the one true and living God, even though he lived among a group of people that didn't worship God at all. He also studied very diligently. He was a disciplined student. Uh, He didn't just study the Word of God, which he did study, but he studied all of the the arts of the Babylonians. Now I'm I'm sure he added to add to that uh, Persian knowledge. And uh, we know that even in his diet, he was disciplined. He ate vegetables and drank water. Uh, He didn't eat the rich foods of the king of Babylon, or I'm sure it continued when it came to the king of Persia as well. So as we look to the Bible we find out this very important truth, and that is each of us faces tests, temptations, and trials. I want to distinguish between those three because tests come from God. God tests us to strengthen our faith. Then we have temptations. Temptations come from the devil. 
and they are intended to destroy our faith. But trials come to all of us because we live in a fallen world. Trials come to us from our circumstances, or they come to us because somebody doesn't want us to succeed at what we're, what we're doing, or, or they're just, you know, the, those people that give you a pain where a pill won't reach. You know what I'm talking about? And those are trials that we face because not everybody follows the living God. Not everybody does what God wants us to do. And so Darius uh, the king is actually going to inadvertently be one of those kind of guys for Daniel today as we turn to Daniel chapter 6. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for a new day, a beautiful new day. Uh, And we thank you for the opportunity to be alive and to worship you. God, we pray that as we turn to Daniel 6 and we read of this trial that Daniel faced, and he faced successfully, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in our trials, whether they're small or large, that you would give us the power that Daniel had, the discipline that Daniel had, so we can face those trials effectively and overcome them. God, we pray for victory in the trials of our lives, and we pray most of all that we will bring you glory through them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we turn to Daniel 6, we read this. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire Empire. So once again, Daniel rises to the top. He's the best of the best. This has been the case ever since King Nebuchadnezzar brought him as a teenager from Jerusalem to be part of his royal court. And as we see this happen once again, we realize Daniel has to be getting old himself by this time, and yet he continues to outperform all of the other leaders, all the other officials, and all the magicians and chanters and everybody in the king uh, kingdom this time now of Persia. And this causes as we might expect, some jealousy among the other leaders. It says this, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. There's a, <laughs> that's a newsflash, right? A government official who doesn't have anything to criticize or condemn. Then it says he was faithful, he was always responsible, he was completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Can you imagine how frustrating it must have been to be one of those officers, one of those advisors? Everywhere you look, everywhere you turn, it's Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Daniel, the foreigner. Daniel, the one who serves the foreign God who won't even worship the gods of the Persians or the Babylonians before, but he's always the best. And they want to, they want to do something. You know, they're jealous. All of us have that natural, you know, we're fallen people and even redeemed fallen people have that tendency to be jealous of people who are good at what we do. In fact, they're better at what we do than we are. And add to that that Daniel is a foreigner and he worships a foreign god. So it says, the administrators and high officers went to the king and they said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. 
Darius' advisors appealed to his vanity. Think about it. Here was a man, common man, who was a spearman in the army who had risen to the ranks of king. He had to think pretty highly of himself. And so the officers, the officials, they appealed to that vanity and they said, Come on, king, how about you make a rule that for the next 30 days nobody can pray to or worship anything or anyone but you? And, and he said, Yes. And we learn an important principle from King Darius's vanity. We learn this. When a person fails to worship the one true and living God, he or she is vulnerable to worship anything, including oneself. As Jesus would put it, you know, hundreds of years later, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added to you. When we worship the, the one true living God through Jesus Christ, then our lives will go according to his plan for us, But when we don't put God first, when we don't worship the one true living God, we can never live out the plan that God has for our lives. So Darius signed the law, and one of the things about any law of the Medes and Persians, as we saw, it couldn't be changed. So for the next 30 days, no matter what anybody thought or whatever anybody wanted to do, even King Darius, only King Darius could be worshipped. Now it says that all the officials knew that this was going on, and certainly King uh, Darius's number one man, Daniel, had to understand that this law was put into effect. He probably was there as it was signed, but he wasn't in agreement with it. So what would he do? What would Daniel do now? Because he had a choice. He either could continue to be faithful to the one true and living God, or he could worship Darius. And if he worshiped Darius, then he would live. If he didn't worship Darius, he would be thrown into a, land of, a, den, of, a land of lions. A den of lions. Okay? So... We find out that Daniel is going to put to test today's take-home point, that real faith grows through discipline, and it shows through trials. So all that remained now for the officials was to catch Daniel praying to his God instead of Darius. And as we see, that wasn't going to be very hard because Daniel prayed three times a day to the Lord every day. It says this, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house, and they found him praying and asking for help. I skipped a verse. It's a very important verse. Let's go back down to verse 10. It says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual, as usual, I want to underline, as usual in his upstairs room with its window open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. The phrases that are key there are as usual and as he had always done. The discipline was there in Daniel's life. That's really the point that I wanted to make. He had had a faith that grew through discipline. This discipline of of prayer that was now going to be the, the reason that the officials would be able to take him to King Darius and say, he's broken the rules and now you're going to have to put him in the lion's den, as we knew was going to happen. So let's move on to verse 11. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house. They found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king. And reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. The officials had Daniel. They knew it. And King Darius knew it. Now, we're going to find out right here that King Darius is very different than King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember what happened when Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah did not worship the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar made? He threw a fit, right? He went into a rage, and he had the furnace, you know, 
heated up many times, so hot that whenever the guys threw um, the three guys into the furnace, they died from the heat of just being outside the furnace. But Darius isn't like that at all. In fact, it says this. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. You see, King Darius knew that he was going to have to throw Daniel into the lion's den, and he knew what was going to happen. Daniel was going to die. There was no way out of it. These were hungry lions. They kept them that way so that whenever they put the people in there, they would be eaten right away. This was a, this was a lose-lose situation because, first of all, Darius really he respected Daniel, and Daniel had been his best advisor. He's going to lose his best advisor. There's no possible way that this comes out with any kind of a win situation for anybody except for these other advisors who are jealous, and one of them is going to get to rise up to that position that Daniel is vacating. Now, here's the thing. Daniel stood his ground. He had always done that, and now he stood his ground once again through the disciplines that he had practiced since he was a teenager, and he was going to face the consequences. What about us? We who live in 21st century America, what are the consequences if we stand up for Jesus in our daily lives? Well, you know, there are jobs in America where you can't talk about God. There are places, and we've, we've all heard about people who have been, you know, sued because they wouldn't provide certain services for certain kind of people. And we know that we're supposed to believe that, you know, everything's good. It doesn't matter what, you know, whether it's in religion or politics or sexuality. We're all supposed to just, you know, get, get along. You know, you do you, I'll do me. That's the way it's supposed to work in this culture. But we know it isn't working in this culture. Our culture is fractured. And the reason for that is freedom is always intended to be lived within boundaries. In fact, I would say it this way. Life without boundaries isn't freedom at all. It's chaos, and we're seeing that chaos increase in our culture. So if I, if I stand up at work or you stand up at work or school and you say there is a right, there is a wrong, and this is the way um, we're called to live, there can be consequences. And you might be thinking, well, there's no consequence for you. You're a pastor. You talk about God all the time. That's what, you know, that's what we called you here to do. So why are you telling us about this? Because it's easy for you to say. Well, it's not really easy for me to say. I used to be a school teacher before I was a pastor. And when I was a school teacher in a public school, I talked about Jesus every single day. I didn't make a big deal about it. But whenever the topic came up, whenever an opportunity came up, I would simply talk in a very calm way about the truth. And I would seek to do that in love. And so even though Daniel lived hundreds of years before Jesus, we find out that Jesus' words to us, you know, that we're not just supposed to get saved, which we are, we're not just supposed to come to worship every now and then, but we're supposed to deny ourselves daily, take up our crosses daily and follow him. Daniel was doing that hundreds of years before Jesus even came. In fact, we could put it this way, Daniel practiced daily disciplines that prepared him for the trials he faced. Daniel's daily disciplines of prayer and of fasting at times, uh, of eating the, the, the proper foods that, that he believed God was calling him to eat, of studying the word of God, all of those things prepared him for this moment. And I want to ask a question. It's a long question, but it has a short answer um, about our lives. And here it is. Do we practice daily disciplines that are preparing us for the trials that we will face for following Jesus in a culture that's increasingly antagonistic toward a faith that's based on truth and love. Now that's, as I said, a long question. 
I want you to look at it again. Do we practice daily disciplines that are preparing us for the trials we will face for following Jesus in a culture that is increasingly antagonistic toward a faith based on truth and love? The the long question has a short answer, yes or no, right? Either yes, we are, or no, we're not. And if it's no, then we are not going to be ready for those trials when they come, whether they're small trials or whether they're big trials. So it says, in the evening, the men went together to the king. And they said, your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Darius knew what was going to happen. Daniel was going to be dead before his body hit the floor of that cave. And yet he says, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Daniel meant a great deal to Darius, just as he had meant a great deal to Nebuchadnezzar and for a very short time to Belshazzar because he spoke the truth in love no matter what. He always served his king as much as he served the God that he knew and glorified. He, Darius knew there's never going to be another man like Daniel. I want Daniel in my life. You know, Daniel was a true servant of the living God, but he wasn't one of those kind of people. And and we've all known these kind of people where, you know, we come into a a grocery store and we see that person coming and we go down the other aisle because we don't want to meet them because we know we're going to get another sermon or we're going to be told about how bad we are, how good they are. We, We know those kind of people. That wasn't the kind of person that Daniel was. Daniel was the kind of person that when you're in trouble, you go to him. Daniel was the kind of person who always had a word, not just of advice, but a word of wisdom and knowledge from the living God because he was so in tune with the Spirit of God in his life. He's the kind of people that all of us want to have around our lives. And so, here's a guy who demonstrates his faith in public and private, and King Darius wants to save him, but he can't, so he puts him in the cave. And I want to turn for a moment to my trip to Cambodia. Last week when we were in Cambodia, we were invited to dinner by the, the chief uh, deputy prime minister of the country, uh, General Ki Kim Yong. Now, uh, it's interesting because when you're in, in one of those kind of dinners, the, you don't get to sit where you want to sit. They put you where they want you to sit. And so I got to sit down here, and to my left was um, Ki Kim Yong's chief advisor, and it, actually also his brother, um, Lee Kim Lai is his name. Lay Kim Lai, sorry, Lay Kim Lai. You don't really know the difference, but anyway, Lay Kim Lai. And to the left of Lay Kim Lai is Pastor Matt Geppert of SEAPC, Southeast Asia Prayer Center. And across, across from Mr. Lay Kim Lai is Pastor Mark Geppert of SEAPC. So there's this group of people. And to my right was a businessman from Hong Kong. And uh, the general <laughs> didn't come to the dinner. He invited us, but he didn't come. He had more important things to do. But it's an official dinner. They're over here talking, and I actually was talking with this gentleman, so I didn't hear the whole conversation. But what I did hear was they were talking about um, SEAPC's involvement in the vocational training centers that were being built, are being built across, you know, the, the Bonte Miche province of Cambodia, and about the English teaching uh, that's going on as a result of SEAPC's involvement in all of this uh, involvement that's been going on actually for decades now, but specifically over the past five to ten years in this particular province. And, and here's a question that I heard that made my, I, I stopped listening to this guy for a moment and I turned my attention here. Because Pastor Mark Geppert asked uh, Lake Kim Lai, do you know why we have been so involved in Cambodia. Do you know why we're doing so many things for Cambodia? And, and Mr. 
Mr. Kim, let's just call him Mr. Kim. Mr. Kim leaned in and he said, why? And he said, because Jesus loves the people of Cambodia. And that turned the conversation. And pretty soon, Pastor Matt was talking personally to Mr. Kim about Jesus. And we brought Pastor Sinai, who is from Cambodia, and he's the head of SEAPC Cambodia, and he's a native Cambodian. We brought him into the conversation because he speaks Khmer, the native language, and we wanted to make sure that even though Mr. Kim's English is pretty good, um, that he would be able to hear about Jesus in his native language. So this conversation goes on, you know, for a, a while. And then eventually, Pastor Mark says, so Mr. Kim, are you ready to let Jesus Christ be the Savior and Lord of your life? And he said, yes. And so the chief advisor to the chief deputy prime minister of Cambodia is now a brother in the Lord. The, they clapped last night when I said that. I don't know. Maybe you aren't excited about that. But anyway, I want you to understand something. That conversation didn't happen in a vacuum. SEAPC has been very practically helpful to the people of the uh, Bonte Miche province and the people of Cambodia as a whole. We have opened uh, children's homes where orphans have been brought in and shown the, the love of Jesus Christ. We have actually built these vocational training centers. And you know, if you're here on a regular basis, that New Life paid for that vocational training school in Mongol Bray province. And the reason I tell you this is because I want you to understand, you weren't there in Cambodia a week and a half ago. But your giving, if, you, if you've ever given a dollar to New Life, you know, a penny of that or 10 cents of that, whatever, went to pay for that vocational training center. So you were part of Mr. Kim becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. He's a very important person in Cambodia. We're all important people, but I mean, as things go, he's a very important person in Cambodia, and his influence on his brother is going to be key. And, and actually, his other brother is the builder who built the building, and I had a chance to lead him to the Lord back in January. So now two brothers in the Kim family are followers of Jesus, and when Deputy Prime Minister, you need to pray for that, you know, Ki Kim Yong, that's his name, General. Uh, whenever he becomes a follower of Jesus, that's just going to change so many things. And the, 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 the thing is, that kind of experience, we didn't go in there and just start screaming about Jesus. We didn't just go in there and start telling them they're going to go to hell. We went in there and we showed the love of Jesus in practical ways. I believe just as Darius saw Daniel working in his court in very practical ways with wisdom, with good advice. And, and so he didn't want Daniel to die. He wanted Daniel to continue to live. And hopefully the people that we know, our neighbors, our friends at school, the people we work with, don't want us to die either. You know what I'm saying? They want us to be around because we are making a practical difference in their lives. So here's what happens. It says, a stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. King Darius undoubtedly had many forms of, of, of entertainment available to him. He's the king of everything, pretty much, in that day. And yet he didn't have any entertainment that night. In fact, he fasted the whole night. He spent the whole night waiting for that, you know, that first little gleam of, some of you have seen this before, that first little gleam of daylight, because he couldn't wait to go over there to that cave to open it up to see if Daniel was okay. And after an agonizing night, this is what happened. It said, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, 
He called out in anguish. Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel, Daniel, the servant of the living God, not servant of me, not my chief advisor, but servant of the living God, was your, was your God able to rescue you from the mouth of the lions? And, and Dan, Darius's care and concern for his servant was real. And I think in that moment, he's hoping and praying that there really is a God and that that God is really able to do what Daniel thought he could do. And it says, Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Now, we could preach another message just on those five sentences. But let's sum it up this way. God's deliverance of a faithful servant can have a profound impact on others. Daniel's deliverance was nothing short of miraculous. There is no possible way these lions leave him alone. But Daniel said, you know, that my God protected me because I did nothing wrong. That's the thing. Daniel says to Darius, you know, I wasn't turned against you, uh, Darius, but I have to serve my God. I have to put him first no matter what. And because I put him first, I was actually being faithful to you. And Darius understood it. In fact, Darius understood it so much that he turned to his other's advisors, and this is what happened. It says, Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. So the outcome of those men who so maliciously accused Daniel was gruesome. They their wives and children died. And sometimes when we have a sinful plan, the plan turns back on us. And that's exactly what happened in this particular case. And then it says, Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has res rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Darius couldn't rescind the law that said that everybody had to worship him for 30 days, but he made a law that superseded that law. He said, okay, I'm going to forget about my law. I'm going to make a better and most important law, and that is you need to worship the God of Daniel. In fact, you need to tremble before this God because his, his reign is not going to be for a lifetime like mine. His reign is going to be forever. He's going to rule forever. And, and look at what he can do. He delivered Daniel from the mouth of the lions. This God is a miraculous God. This God is a God who takes care of the people who worship and serve him. So you have to worship him and implied is, and not me. What a change. What a change in Darius' life because of the faithful um, living out of the discipline that Daniel had done all of his life since he was a boy since he was certainly since he was a teenager in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar and other kings, Belshazzar and now Darius. And it's the same way for us. And it says, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So accounts of faithfulness don't always end this way. I mean, here, this is a happily ever after story, right? Daniel goes on to not only serve Darius, but also Cyrus, who served after Darius. And everything was good for Daniel for the rest of his life. And we could say, and he died in peace and went to see Jesus. 
But it doesn't always work out that way. Just ask Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life, the only perfect life ever lived, and the end of his life was crucifixion. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, what you find is towards the end of that chapter, we read about all of these people who did the same kind of stuff that Daniel did. They faced lions, and they died at the hands of the lions. You see, sometimes when we're faithful to God, the end result isn't that God delivers us from the situation. Sometimes we get ushered into God's presence through the situation. But God is always faithful. Just as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah told Nebuchadnezzar back in uh, the the account of the fiery furnace, right? Remember what they said? Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will never serve your gods. And in our lives, whether God delivers us or not in this life, there's another life. Darius saw that. Nebuchadnezzar saw that life. Our God is an eternal God, and he is going to reign forever, and we are going to reign with him so long as Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord in our lives. So here's today's commitment. It's a pretty powerful commitment. It says, I will put God first even if it costs my life. Now you say, well, it's never going to cost my life. It probably won't in this culture. But if it does, the only way we will be found ready is if we practice the disciplines day by day by day by day that Daniel practiced. If we're praying to God, if we're, you know, if we're taking time to read his word if we are taking time every single day to put him first because if he's first then whatever comes whether a small test or a big test a small trial big trial small temptation big temptation will be found ready but it won't happen unless we've done what mr lake him lie did a week and a half ago and that's to turn our lives over to jesus christ if you've never done that You've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life. It's time to surrender to him. Whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room this morning, if you've never put Jesus Christ in the position that he is Lord and God in your life, then it's time to do that right now. And as I say so often, it's simple, but it's not easy. It was simple for Daniel to pray three times a day. It was simple for Daniel to read the Word of God. It was simple for Daniel to fast, you know, and it was simple for him to eat vegetables and water. It wasn't easy when they threw him in the lion's den. And we might never face anything like that, but you go to school in the fall when it comes back in, or you go to work tomorrow and somebody makes some statement about God, some derogatory statement, it won't be easy to say, excuse me, I serve that God. You don't have to make a big deal about it, but I serve that God. That's a little thing. Who knows what might come? But I know this. When we put him first, Jesus said, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything that we need for every moment of our lives will be provided. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you were with Daniel in the lion's den, that you were with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and that you are with us right now in this very moment. God, we might be facing little trials little tests, little temptations in our life right now. But we need you if we're going to be victorious in them. God, we might be facing the biggest test, the biggest trial, the biggest temptation of our life right now. And once again, we can only be successful if you're first in our lives. So God, we pray right now for a new and fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit for all of us who have already trusted you. And God, for any in this room or watching online who have never trusted you, I pray for your spirit to tug at their heart so that they will say yes, that they will surrender from whatever God they've been worshiping, even if it's just been themselves, that they will turn their lives over to Jesus so that his life, that is truly life, can start to pulse through their 
hearts and their, their lives, their spirits, their souls and bodies. God, we pray that we will bring you glory and honor in all that we are and all that we think, say, and do. In Jesus' name, amen.